Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Okay. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to get out of the way and point people to you, Jesus. <laughs> That's my job. And I thank you for helping me do it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> So the title of my message is The Transformational Power of Beholding Jesus. I'm going to start with a story. I like to tell stories to help people understand how grace looks, in what it looks like in your everyday life. Some years ago, and this was after I had come into a grace revelation, actually, because that's I came to a grace revelation like 10 years ago, but some years ago, like maybe four, three or four, I was taking my daughters. I have 20-year-old uh, twin girls who just moved out while I was on this trip. So I'm going to be an empty nester when I get home, oh my, except for I have a husband who's uh, of 30, almost 32 years. And thankfully, and this is all by God's grace as well, because I don't know how the man stayed with me for the first 20 years of my life <laughs> of our marriage, because I was, yeah, I was pretty nuts. But he did, by God's grace. And then we both came into a beautiful revelation of grace. And I'm just thankful that we were given the good advice to put our marriage before our kids and, you know, like go on date nights, keep going on date nights and keep that romance going so that when our kids left home, we wouldn't look at each other and go, do I even know you? <laughs> and so I'm really thankful for that. I'm so thankful to God for that. And so thank God he stayed with me and didn't leave me <laughs> because I was... I'm not really going to tell my whole testimony because I've been telling it the last, I told it yesterday, I told it the day before, or a couple days ago, um, but I am going to interject some things in there. But so my girls are now 20, but they were probably like, I mean, this might have even been five years ago. I don't think it was that long ago. Maybe let's just say they were 16 years old. And so we went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I took them and some of their friends. And I rented a minivan, and I've never driven a minivan. And I mean, I am a confident driver. I actually enjoy driving. I like doing road trips, you know, all of that. But for some reason, I just could not drive this minivan. And so I kept, like, almost, like, like I'd get over into the next lane, and I thought I looked, or I did look, I don't know if there's a blind spot or what it is about minivans, but, or if it was just me, but I kept scaring the girls in the car <laughs> because I was coming close to hitting people. So I started to let that make me feel bad about myself. And I know not to get under guilt and condemnation. I know better because I know it doesn't do any good. It just actually makes everything worse. And so, but I gave in and I started to just little by little during that trip, every time that would happen. Then at the end of the trip, I was at like this, we were just going to this fun place where they had games and pizza and stuff. I think it's called Incredible Pizza. And I left my phone there and somebody stole my phone. And that's the first time that's ever happened as well. And so then I had that on top of this. And I was not happy with myself regarding that. Again, I know better, but I gave in to letting the devil bury me under guilt because it was my choice, you know, whether I was going to accept that or not. And I gave in. So 
I was really thinking some bad thoughts about myself in the car, and I was not out loud, but just while I was driving the girls home. And then (laughs) I was driving, and I got over one more time, and I really almost hit someone. Well, I blew up. (laughs) I mean, I I used to have an explosive temper before I came into a revelation of grace. And it's not like I never get mad anymore, but I mean, I'm really freed from that. I mean, to a large degree. So I blew up and I started calling myself names, every name in the book, including idiot, out loud, my two girls who have their friends in the car. Any of you who have teenagers are probably like, Oh, my gosh, you didn't do that to your kids. I did. (laughs) And so I was so mad at myself. I was just like, you might as well drive yourself to, you know, to the camp. This was this youth camp that I was taking them to. You might as well drive yourself next time, girls, because, you know, you'll probably get there. If you leave it up to me, I'll kill you. And so, I mean, I, I know better than all of this, not to let those words come out of my mouth and all that. So, um But I know that that was from the guilt and the condemnation that I let in. That caused me to have that explosive temper because I learned from Joseph Prince years ago when I first came into a grace revelation that right believing leads to right living, which means wrong believing leads to wrong living. And so I let that in and and I had that temper. And I'm going to leave that story right there until the end, okay? It's got a good ending, <laughs> a really good ending. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, can I, have, yeah, let me do this. Oh, no, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I'm not nervous. I'm just sweating. <laughs> okay. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and, and this is, oh, this is one of my favorite scriptures that I've really come to love over this last 10 years. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image, in ever-increasing splendor, and from one degree of glory to another. So let's just back up. I did not bring my grace glasses today, I don't think. They might be in there, but I, I won't worry about it. Um, now, I, I, I mean, if they're in there, I see the Bible totally different than I used to see it. I read the Bible totally different than I used to read it, and I see things that I didn't see before since God has, you know, set me on this journey to discover his grace. And so, again, and all of us with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. Now, I used to think that was my job to change myself <laughs> from try, you know, by trying harder. I mean, that's what I spent over three decades doing, trying harder to change myself. Now, I thought I was doing the Christian life the way I was supposed to. Like, I thought, yeah, this is what you're supposed to do. Like, it's not working, you know. I still got a bad temper. I've got so many. I scream at my kids, you know, way more than I should, and you know, just on and on and on. So it's not really working. I didn't really mentally think that, but I mean, I knew it inside. It's like this isn't working, but it's not working because I'm not trying hard enough. That's what I would think. I've just got to try harder. 
And so I would. I would just try harder to change myself. And the only thing that led to was anxiety and frustration because I couldn't change myself. And so I, I will tell you what happened to me. I, I mean, I was just a mess. I'm just going to do a real quick version of my testimony. I was a real mess for like over three decades. And none of this, none of this is because of my parents, just so you know. <laughs> I have to say that because I totally honor and love my parents and they're awesome parents. But I just got mixed up and I believe what was at the base of all of this, which is why I loved, Pastor, what you said this morning, was that I thought God was mad at me. I thought God not only was mad at me, I thought he was someone who was standing over me just waiting to beat me over the head when I did something wrong, which was very often, or at the very least, he was disappointed in me. Like, I'm disappointed in you, Sandra. I'm disappointed in you, Sandra. I'm disappointed in you. That's not what he was believing of me. That's not what God thought of me. I was believing a lie about him. And so, so many things came as a result of that. Me just spending every single day of my life, my life as a Christian, who's supposed to be Christians, you know, God, Jesus said, I have given you my very own peace. But I was definitely not living in that peace. I wasn't living in the promised land of rest. I believe that is our spiritual promised land, rest. I really do. I believe we can do whatever we do from a place of rest. It's, it's not that we don't work, but we work from a place of rest. <laughs> and uh, that we, it is totally possible. I know because I'm living it now. Do I live it every single day? Nope, because sometimes I forget who I am in Christ. But I'll tell you what, I'm living it so much more than I used to. But back then I didn't. And I, like I said, I, I really was doing this innocently. I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing is just continuing to try harder, you know? And so this caused me to just go in so many different directions, trying, trying. I would do things like this. At the end of every day, almost every day, I won't say every day, I would, because I always, in the back of my mind, I could never measure up, okay? I couldn't measure up to God, is what I thought. Now, that was a lie, because he, I was fully accepted in him at that time. And uh, I was actually living under grace. I mean, that's what he had provided for me, but I was living as if I was still under the law, the old covenant of law, because I just didn't know. And I was really perishing for a lack of knowledge, you know, about the truth, of God's grace, which is the gospel, by the way. Grace, like the pastor said, is not one sermon. It's not a theology. Grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And that just, whoa, that changes everything when you think of it like that, you know? Because then you don't go, oh, yeah, let's have some grace over here, and then let's have some law over here or something. No, no, it's only God's grace. See, because Jesus changed everything. The cross changed everything. And what Jesus did, and it's right there in the Bible, he ushered us into a brand new covenant, a covenant of his grace. And so I just didn't know that. So I was living as if I was under the old covenant. And so what, and thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me. Sometimes I get up here and forget what I'm saying, which when I do, I don't even, I, I, I used to think I was so stupid for so many things that I did wrong, ladies and gentlemen, but not anymore. I don't. I think I'm hilarious, and I laugh at myself. (laughs) 
I do. And I love to laugh. I love to be around funny people because I was so serious for so many years of my life. And I know that I don't have anything to prove up here. I don't have to prove anything. Do you know how freeing that is? You know how many years, well, first of all, that I would have wanted to get up here because I would have wanted the attention. One big problem I had before grace, and God, man, set me free from that. And it was because I thought that I, Sandra McCullum, had to keep all the plates spinning. I thought I had to keep it all going. And the thing, the most beautiful thing that God did for me the day that I came into a revelation of grace. I had an experience with Jesus on January 2nd, 2012, where I felt his love like I was swimming in his love. Oh, my goodness. The thing that he did for me that day that was the greatest thing ever was he took my eyes off of me and he placed them on Jesus. (laughs) And that is why I don't have anything to prove because I already know I'm loved. I already know I'm righteous. I already know I'm forgiven. And I don't have to prove anything to anyone. And I want to help other people understand you don't have to prove anything to anyone. You're already qualified for all the blessings that Jesus provided for you. You know, it's interesting. Did I bring that? Yes. It's interesting about the communion this morning because I brought this up here. And I'm getting off a little bit, but this is God. This is the Holy Spirit. I got sick while I was here. (laughs) And I mean, I hardly ever get sick. It's like once a year, you know. And I got sick like three days ago. Like at night, I just started having a sore throat. And then I started, I had just a low-grade fever. And it's funny. It's funny. Rose's, um, she gave me one thermometer, and it wasn't working right. Thank God. (laughs) Because I would be in heaven right now if it was. Because it said, it said like 42 degrees Celsius. And that's like 108 degrees Fahrenheit. And I was like, yeah, that can't be right. So she brought me another one. But I did just have a low grade fever. And then really within two days or less, I got I'm great. I mean, God helped me so much. And Rose did give me vitamins, which I think it's hilarious that you guys call them vitamins because we call them vitamins. (laughs) That is so cute. Vitamin C. But she gave me vitamin C and she gave me uh, uh, um, essential oils to put in like a tea. And I believe we love doing stuff natural. And I also took one thing of medicine as well. Not against medicine either. But then I remembered that I had, I opened up my drawer, drawer, I didn't say this yesterday, I opened up my drawer um, in the bed and breakfast we were staying, and I saw that I had a whole bag of these little communion cups, and I went, Nicole, this is my first line of defense. (laughs) And I took it, I've taken it every day, and I'm just so thankful, but let me just say one thing about that. Jesus said himself, do this in remembrance of me. So I want to just call your attention to something. Did Jesus say, do this in remembrance of your sin? He didn't. He said, do this in remembrance of me. This whole Christian life is about our eyes being fixed on Jesus and what he has done for us. It's not even about us loving him, although, believe me, that comes from this. It's about us receiving his love for us. And from that, oh, we fall so deeply in love with Jesus. And so back to what I was like before I came into a revelation of grace, I would do things like at the end of almost every day, 
because I would run in my mind on this treadmill all day. The minute I put my feet on the floor, I'd run on this treadmill, and I would try to get worth and value from running on that treadmill. And like I said, it wasn't a real treadmill, but that's what I was doing in my mind because that's the only way I knew how to get worth and value was accomplishment. I had lists I lived by, those check marks gave me my identity, or so I thought, and, uh, but I couldn't get it all done. And it was because I wasn't doing what I was doing by God's grace. I wasn't receiving his grace. I didn't even know what grace was really back then. And believe me, I'm sure it wasn't because I wasn't told. I just didn't get it because my eyes were so fixed on myself. So I was living by my own efforts, by my own human effort. And that didn't work. And so at the end of almost every day, I would go into a panic when I didn't think I was going to get my list checked off, my lists. It was my natural list, and I had a spiritual to-do list in my mind. Sandra, now, you got angry yesterday, and you need to be better today than you were yesterday, okay? Always that kind of stuff with the spiritual to-do list. And so at the end of almost every day, I would panic, and I would start pointing out everything in the house that wasn't cleaned up, I needed my house to be perfectly clean because I didn't feel good about myself. And that, I thought, would make me feel better about myself. And so I would start coming up with things my husband wasn't doing right, coming up with things my kids weren't doing right. I didn't see the real problem (laughs) is that I was living the way I was living because I was just blinded. And so I would make my husband and my kids feel, and I did this for my girls were nine when I came into a revelation of grace and my husband, and I had been married 20 years. And that's why I said it was a miracle. He (laughs) stayed with me because I really did make him and them feel like you are not quite ever measuring up. You're always coming up just a little bit short. And it was, you know why I did that? It was because I felt like God was doing that to me. He wasn't, but I believed a lie about him, and I thought God was seeing me as if, Sandra, you know, I'm disappointed in you. I wish you'd get your act together, and you just are coming up a little bit short all the time. And so all that happened, and then I I came to the end of myself at the end of 2011, and it was a beautiful day to come to the end of myself. And then God brought me into that experience where I had an experience with Jesus, and oh my goodness, just realizing that God loves me for me, which is what he spoke to me that day. It was just so simple things he spoke to me, but powerful, because if you've been told by anyone that, you know, knowing that God loves you is just elementary, that it's just, you know, it's just A, B, and C, like, then you go on to bigger and better things. It's not. It's the love of God is A through Z. (laughs) I mean, you, because his love is so deep and so wide. The Bible talks about this, right? And so, so long and, you know, so, and everything. So I spend now that I've come into a revelation of grace because I felt it that first day, what it feels like to receive his unconditional love for me, not based on anything I do. And that's what he told me that day. Sandra, I don't love you for what you do for me. I love you because you're my child. (laughs) So, like, you don't have to keep doing for me. You can rest and just let me love you. Of course, from that, oh, my goodness, that set me on 
just such an awesome journey and really caused my spiritual life to take off like a rocket without me trying harder because it was his love doing it in me. And so that's a little bit of my testimony. But after that happened, then I began to really come to understand that it was beholding Jesus that changes us. Because I definitely wasn't beholding Jesus before that. I would always behold me. I would behold the things that I did wrong. And yes, I tell the stories and I tell people the things I do now because I, want, I tell them both sides of it. I tell them what I do sometimes and I tell them how I handle it when that happens under grace, which I'll tell you that part of the story in a little bit. And um, so, but I was just focused all the time on what I need, well, what I was doing wrong, full of guilt and condemnation, and just buried under it constantly, and then what I needed to do to fix myself. <laughs> None of it worked, just so you know. <laughs> so, 2 Corinthians says that, and I just want to share with you, this is something that I discovered years ago. I was like, okay, so I don't know if you use the word behold over here. Do, does many people use that word? But like in the States, we don't really use that word. Like I don't say to Rose, you know, are you beholding Jesus today, you know? And so the synonyms for that word, some synonyms are catch, consider, contemplate, lay eyes on, notice, observe, regard, see, watch, and witness. So we are changed, transfigured into the image of Jesus as we behold him. But what does it look like? Okay, let's consider this. When we take time to notice Jesus in our lives all throughout the day, we are changed. Because notice is one of the synonyms for behold. Okay? And so that is one way you can behold Jesus is just by noticing the things he does for you. And I really do this. Like just things that maybe some people would think were little. I'm like, like maybe even if I like almost fall or something and I don't fall, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for helping me not to fall. Like I love to do that. I love to behold him in any way that I can. And it's changed me. One way to do this is by observing examples of his unmerited favor. Anything good that comes into your lives from getting that parking place at the crowded mall uh, or the promotion at work, even if it's something you worked hard for, consider who gave you the wisdom, ability, and strength to do it, right? It all goes back to Jesus. I'm just telling you right now, it all goes back to him. And I think this is a perfect time to finish the story because it goes along with this, really noticing his unmerited favor. And really, that's what his grace is. Now, there's People use a lot of different definitions for grace, but the one that I use the most doesn't mean mine's better. It's just what I use the most and what has ministered to me the most is, is his unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor because of this, the rest of the story. Okay, so I really got mad, and not only that, I didn't even finish. My daughter uh, was trying to get me to stop yelling in the car because she was so embarrassed in front of her friends. And then I yelled at her. I said, you don't even care about me. All you care about is impressing your friends. I said that all in front of their friends, right? And so bad, bad moment for sure. Um, but thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me not to trip. <laughs> but um, I kept driving for just a little bit. I knew, obviously I knew I had blew, blown it. I kept driving, 
but God helped me. One of the things he really has helped me do on this journey and something I couldn't do before I understood God's grace, before I understood how much he loves me, is I couldn't admit when I was wrong. Because I, I wanted to appear perfect before everyone. And now, I already know I'm righteous in Christ, so I can admit I'm wrong, like, so easily. Like, seriously. And it doesn't bother me. I don't get condemned over it. I just am honest and authentic with people. And that is, honestly, that's the one of the biggest things people say that they enjoy about my ministry, is that I'm just honest. You know, I'm not afraid to be honest, because it makes them feel human, right? And so anyway, I stop, I, I don't know if I stopped the car. I don't think I stopped the car, but I kept going, and I just stopped, like, in my, stopped what I was doing with the bad thoughts, and I said to the girls, I said, listen, obviously that was, what I did was wrong. I said, I should never have yelled like that. I said, but I want to teach you a lesson. I said, maybe somehow God can use this, you know, and I believe he can because I believe God takes things, even things that we mess up, and he redeems them. He redeems them. He's that good. And so I just taught the girls, and I'm telling you what, I'm just going to go here for a minute. If you have kids that you feel you have messed it up too much, your relationship with them, God is going to redeem those relationships because I'm telling you, my girls are moving out this weekend. I was legalistic with them for the first nine years of their life. And then I'm, of course, made mistakes beyond that. I'm not, I don't behave perfectly all the time. I do love them and I did change a lot the way that I did things. But I mean, I raised them for the early years in their lives in that legalism. I mean, stuff like if they didn't wipe the faucet on their sink, I would say, march back up there and wipe that up, you know, because they didn't check all their lists and stuff. Stuff like that. No, I didn't beat them or anything like that, but emotionally, I feel like I did abuse them, you know, because they were afraid of my, like, authority. And so, of course, I apologized, and really, we forgave each other, and, and you know, God has redeemed that. But, and then over the years, we even went through other things with our girls. You know, if, if you have kids, you know, you go through different seasons and stuff. But they are moving out this weekend. And my one daughter said, Mom, I just feel like we're best friends. And I'm just like, I know that's God's grace. You know, I, I, I did certain parenting programs, and, you know, they were helpful and stuff, and, but I would rely on those parenting programs. I would rely on, you know, this, all this stuff that I thought I'd learned, you know, like I am, oh, I'm learning all this stuff. And I had my faith in my own self, in my own efforts, but you know what? It's God's grace that got us through, and I know that. I know that now more than ever, and the fact that we have great relationships and they moved out, I, I, there's nothing for me to say except for, thank you, God. And that's what grace does to you. It makes you humble because it makes you know, this isn't because I was a perfect parent. It's because of your grace, God. Okay? So I just want to encourage you, as you take your faith out of your own trying to fix those situations with your kids, you're going to see God do miracles as you place your, take your faith out of your own efforts and be led by the Spirit. It's good to be led by the Spirit, whatever He tells you to do, whatever God tells you to do, led by His Spirit. But then put your faith in His grace, in His unmerited favor that no, no, you could never deserve it. You could never merit it. 
You could never earn it. And that's why it's so beautiful. <laughs> and so he's, he's going to redeem. I'm just telling you right now, okay? And so, thank you, Jesus. Ah, I'm excited for you. Um, and so, oh, man, where was I? Let's see. What was I talking about before that? Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, the story. Okay, thank you, Lord. Um, so I just told him. I just said, I shouldn't have done that, and this is why I think I did, because I was allowing guilt and condemnation to just take over my thoughts, and even from days before when I, you know, would, when I tried to get over, because I'm telling you, I'm a good driver, like, I don't do that, you know, it was, it was totally ridiculous, it was the devil, and he was trying to bury me under guilt and condemnation, and I fell for it, and so I told them that, and they were all so gracious, excuse me just a minute, he was so great. I, they were so gracious, really gracious. And, and like I said, again, another example of why I'm so blessed that my girls and I are great friends. And they're, they're leaving home. And they're only going to live nine minutes from me, though. Woohoo! We're going to have girl parties at their new place. And so um, keep going with the story. I kept driving home. And it was such a lovely ride home after that. And just then I didn't have to just be like condemned the whole way home because it was about a five-hour trip. And so I went to take the car back. One of the things that I was concerned about because my phone got stolen is that we were going to have to pay like $1,000 or more for a new phone because I called my husband, and this also made me upset. I called my husband. He wasn't on the trip. This was just me taking them. And he said, I said, did we get insurance for this phone? Because I thought we did. And he said, no, I asked you if you wanted insurance when we got it for the theft, you know, and stuff. And, I, and you said, no, no, I don't need that. I never lose my phone. <laughs> and so I was mad at myself for that as well. And this, ha this kept happening yesterday, too. I don't have to prove anything, right? <laughs> Thank you, Rose. <laughs> Devil wants to shut me up, but he's not going to do it. <laughs> so anyway, um, so we, we kept driving home, and when we got there, we returned the rental car, and I remember leaving the rental car place and saying, it's okay. Like, we had the money, but I didn't want to have to take it out of savings because I was letting that make me feel bad. And so I said... Here's my, here's my time. Just what the pastor said this morning. It's not about trying harder. It's about receiving. That is the place I needed to get to because I was still in trying to pay for my own sin mode. So I just stopped and said, Father, it's okay. It's okay. You haven't changed your opinion about me. Not one bit. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt for me. It's, it's, you already paid the price for all of that. And you, if, even if we have to take $1,000 out of our savings, it's okay. You're our provider. So what did I do right there in that moment? I took my eyes off of myself, and I put it on his unmerited favor, which is his grace. Okay? Man, the story gets so good from here. Okay, so we had done... Uh, this, this is the kind of stuff that makes me fall so deeply in love with Jesus because I'm telling you, when I made the switch to depending on myself for everything in my life to depending on his grace, and yes, no, do I do it perfectly? No, no, definitely not. But when I don't, 
can I just receive his grace again <laughs> for not doing it perfectly, you know? And uh, when I made that switch, I cannot even express to you how my life changed so drastically. And so that's why I love doing this because I want other, you know what I want to do for you today? I want to take the weight off of your shoulders by helping you see Jesus. That's my job. Don't want to point you to you, and I don't want to point you to me, but I want to point you to him because that, you're going to feel that weight lift off your shoulders. So I uh, got a call. I got a message the next morning. I forgot, you know, kind of forgot at that point that we had done the find my iPhone thing. And so I got an email from the find my iPhone. Really, we should have gotten it the day before, but my kids and my husband didn't get it. I was driving and stuff. And so I was like, oh, well, the phone's lost. Well, I got an email from find my iPhone. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) oh my gosh, this is so good. And the guy said, you need to reach out to the police department in that area, that part of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and ask them if they can go, because they found where my iPhone was located. And when we called, uh, it was Officer Hughes from the police department. He knew that address like he knew (laughs) that that address, that he'd been there a lot. (laughs) Put it that way. So he went, and he just said to the people, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do anything to you. Just give us the iPhone. <laughs> and I wasn't there. I was already home. They went back. The iPhone, the, the kid, it was a 12-year-old kid that stole it, took it, took him back into, like, back behind his house, and my iPhone was in a box back behind his house. And I think he had taken the SIM card out of it. All was well. Bottom line is he sent me my iPhone, the police department, and I was just like, you are so awesome, God. Oh, that's what causes you to fall so deeply in love with him. Because here's the thing. I got to tell you the best news. You don't get blessed because of your perfect life of obedience. You get blessed because of Jesus's perfect life of obedience. And do you know what that does to you? Oh, my goodness. That just makes you so, fall so deeply in love with Jesus. And it, it changes you at the very core of your being, okay? So that's the story. And, I mean, that's the things. And it doesn't have to be something that big, obviously. But if you watch for it, you will see God's unmerited favor, his grace, his unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor at work in your life all throughout the day. Okay, I won't be too much longer here. And then watch for instances of God's goodness. I mean, I like, I like doing this. Like if I, you know, do something wrong and then I know I'm forgiven because Jesus has forgiven us for all of our sins, past, present, and future, right? So we're already forgiven because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. I'll say, I caught you unconditionally loving me again, God. Like you can catch him. Catch is one of the words. This one, I was talking about watch, but catch is another word for, it's another word for behold. And so you can catch God at work in your life. That's another way that you can behold him, okay? 
our hearts can also cannot help but be changed when we contemplate Jesus' sacrifice on the cross by receiving communion, which we already talked about. Jesus himself said, do this in remembrance of me. Another way to behold him is to purpose, well, I already talked about that. Another way is that God leads to change us is we witness his beautiful creation, even things like that. I did not enjoy the outdoors before I came into a revelation of grace because I am telling you right now, I had my nose stuck to my to-do list 24 hours a day what I had to do. And so now I have flower gardens. I enjoy the outdoors. I enjoy the animals. It's the ones that eat our flowers. Maybe not. No, I still enjoy them. And uh, I spray them to try to get them not to eat them. But I just enjoy life so much. And in fact, I want to tell you this quick story. Right after I came into a revelation of grace, God was just, he had me on a journey. That was my initial revelation that day I told you about. But then he set me on a journey to discover the riches of his grace. And so I was out on my back deck. And like I said, I just started going outside almost immediately after this happened. I started to, God was just leading me to enjoy the outdoors more. So I was on my back deck and I remember I was looking up and I saw, it was either an eagle or a hawk. We'll just say it's an eagle for these purposes. And I saw actually several of them, and they were just soaring up there. No flapping at all. They were just soaring for like minutes at a time. Wow, no effort. And God spoke to me. He said, that is what the grace life looks like. And so every time I see an eagle or a hawk or any kind of bird doing that now, I go, that's the grace life, God. That's what you want for us. That's the life you have for us. You have a life of rest. And I'm telling you, you don't even have to try to affect other people's lives when you live this way. Because when you're receiving God's love, really just that's your part. You just receive God's love. You receive, like you be a receptacle for his love day in and day out. Okay? I mean, just right after you do the dumbest thing in the world, you sit down and you receive his love. And you receive his grace. And you know that you're forgiven. And you know that you're still righteous. And you know it's not because of you, but it's because of him. It's going to change you at the very core of your being. And you're going to find yourself giving that out. It's going to flow to you if you'll take time to receive it. And it's going to flow through you. Okay? I think I'm almost done. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Okay, I want to read one more scripture. Ah, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded, oh, and that's one way, by the way, I forgot to say it, and that's okay, you know, but I want to say it now. One of the best ways we can behold Jesus is by beholding him in reading the word of God. And when you see it correctly, when you see it with your grace glasses on or through the lens of grace, you see Jesus in the word. The way I used to see it before was I was just looking for a rule to follow because I just everything I did was like by rules, like I want to follow this rule so I can feel safe, you know. 
But Jesus is in the Bible from beginning to end. And you will begin to see that as he opens up your eyes. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, I, would have used, I used to would see that as, yeah, yeah, Sandy, you, you need to do this. Like, you know, you need to strip off these weights that are holding you down. I mean, come on, Sandra, get it together. That's the way I talked to myself in the past, but I wouldn't have seen this verse right here. But now I do. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. <laughs> the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And guess what? If you have come to believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are actually seated with him in that place of rest. God bless you. I hope that helped you. I think you could keep going, Sandra, to be quite honest. I'm sitting there going, come on. Uh, worship guys, if you come up, please. The, um, thank you for such an incredible word. Do you want to, let's show our appreciation. You know, it's, um, it's, it's funny, in a, you know, um, for, for me this, this morning to sit in, in the church and... Uh, and listen to just that pure, unadulterated message of God's grace and goodness. Because grace is the gospel. There is no other gospel. It's Jesus from beginning to end, the whole word, from Genesis 1 right through to the end of Revelation. The Aleph and the Taf, he's, he's in everything. And we're just going to settle our hearts for a moment. You can close your eyes. Because we want time to let the Spirit of the Lord just to allow that word to sink into our hearts. You know, the world's always in a massive rush for everything, isn't it? It's like, on to the next thing, but you've received an incredible feast this morning. Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused, Jesus-honoring. You know, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to, one of the things that the Lord said himself was the Holy Spirit would guide you into all truth. And he used this word, aletheia. And, and the Lord said, the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into truth. And truth is not concept. Truth is not idea. That's sometimes truth. Because in John 17 and John 14, when you see the Lord pray, he actually says that when he said, I am the way, the truth. He used that same word. Jesus said, I am Aletheia. So the Holy Spirit would come and he would guide you into a greater revelation of what? Actually into a greater revelation of Jesus. And so, Lord, I get such a sense of that this morning. Such a sense in this place of you being revealed in a way in some people's hearts and lives this morning that they've never seen before. 
So Spirit of the living God, I pray right now that you would show every heart in this place, everyone online, that in this moment, Lord, that your love, your grace would expand in their hearts, their revelation, their understanding of how you love them would just grow in this moment, Lord. Father, I thank you that, Lord, where the law demands from us that that which we can never provide, Father, your grace provides. Lord, you never come to take from us or demand from us. You always come to pour in. And Father, I just pray right now in this moment. You know, even if you're sick, even if your body's just not 100%, if you've struggled with anxiety and depression and all sorts of stuff, just right now in this moment, receive grace upon grace. Father, I pray that every lie that was ever spoken over your people, that they are not good enough, that they haven't done enough, that they'll never amount to enough. Father, where people have carried that weight on their shoulders, I just pray right now, Lord, you would release them from it. That your church would be free, Lord. Father, that in this place, Lord, that chains would just break and fall. We don't need to shout it and scream it and get it. Lord, as you minister your work of setting lives free, setting hearts free, and showing, revealing you, you in deeper, deeper grace. Oh, Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Sandra this morning as well. Church, pray with me. Father, we just thank you for the message that you've put. I had such a sense as she was preaching this morning that this is a, a woman called for the nations. It's a woman whose heart has been captured by your grace, a message of freedom, like a clarion call to the church, to people who don't know the Lord, to to those in the church who have just struggled and felt like they were never good enough. I thank you, Father, for raising up people like Sandra. Thank you for raising her up for such a time as this, Lord. This world doesn't need more demand and more things to worry about. It doesn't need to be tired, tired Christians in the hands of an angry God. Father, we need a revelation of you in all of your grace. And Father, we thank you and we bless her today. Bless those girls and her husband, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you're leading them grace upon grace from glory to glory. We thank you, Father, that her best days are in front of her, Lord. We thank you, Father, that in this ministry, Lord, it's going to have an impact, Father, through the nations as men, women, and children, young people, old people, and everyone else comes into a deeper encounter of Jesus. We thank you for that. We pray it over you. We speak it over you, Sandra. We believe on the call of God to, to preach his 
unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. And Father, we thank you for new opportunities, new doors, new provision. Father, new connection for her, Lord. Father, we honor the work that you've done in her life. And we thank you and speak over her, Lord, that her, I believe that best days in front, best days to come, Lord. Thank you for bringing her here this morning to bless us. Father, to bring your word. Jesus, thank you for that. Amen. Are you encouraged this morning, church? Flipping heck. Get up on your feet again. There, I've said it again. Get up on your feet as opposed to whatever else you were going to stand on. We're going to worship the Lord together and um, just with, with a song to finish. Are you encouraged this morning? Listen, I, I, I am absolute. I, I love it. I just love it. I love it when we, um, we have Jesus unveiled. And uh, what I would encourage you to do um, uh, as we worship, we're going to uh, lift an offering this morning, as we always do. Listen, can I just say something about your money? Like I said, you, you know, we don't, we don't ever guilt or condemn or make you feel bad about money. Um, heaven knows that's not what the Lord does. Um, but we believe that you're given matters. And we believe that you're given matters because it puts Jesus back in the middle, you know. There's, there's nothing worse, there's nothing more backbreaking than trying to figure out your own provision in days like this. Gee whiz, that's a nightmare. That is a nightmare right there. You can trust in, in nothing out there. But when we give, you see, it's not because God's a fundraiser. It's not because Jesus is short of a few quid this morning. Actually, but what we do is we position ourselves for grace. Whenever we, we, we respond, you know, and, and we sow with a heart that says, thank you, Lord, then there is such a blessing in that. And he shows us that we don't need to live with the weight and the burden of financial responsibility because he is our source. And so I'd encourage you this morning as we worship and we lift our offering to sow generously. Okay, we're going to bless Sandra and all that stuff. And uh, so I'd encourage you to do that. And as you do it, as you sow, just say, Lord, thank you that in this moment, you've already provided for me. You've already spoken blessing over me. And I am walking into that. You never ask me to do anything which will be a deficit in my life because you're the God who oversupplies. Amen.